0: Welcome to Grief is My Side Hustle. I am your host, as ever, Megan Bearden Jarvis, and I am so excited to be sitting down with Katie Joy Duke. Thank you so much for being here.
1: It's an honor. Thank you, Megan.
0: I want to tell our listeners just a little bit about you, and I'm going to let you do most of the talking. Okay. You have written an unbelievably beautiful memoir that I'm going to say is a love story. Um, that's how I, that's how I experienced it. It's a love story, not only to your own love story with your beautiful husband, but also to your daughter, Poppy, who did not survive her birth. Correct. And it is a love story to your family and your people and to Hawaii. I mean, it is just a gorgeous, you know, there's so much love in the book. It has a beautiful cover that you and I were talking about just a moment ago. It's called Still Breathing. And I really, I want you to be able to talk to us both about the, the process of, of bringing that book to us and as a memoirist and a writer myself, knowing that as we, the minute we begin writing those things, we're writing about the past and that you also have a present day story that I want to get into today about having stage four metastatic breast cancer. So. Let's see if we can cram all the, you know, if we can do the orange juice concentrate, cram it Mm -hmm. all in. Um, Will you just start from the beginning and tell us what brought you into the world of grief and loss?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I had had experiences with grief and loss as we all do um, when we're younger, um, but nothing had ever impacted my life as deeply and intimately as my daughter being stillborn at full term. Yeah. Um, her name was Poppy Annabelle and she was born on October 26, 2015. Um, my husband and I had found out that we were pregnant with her one day after he proposed earlier that February when we were in Hawaii. Yeah. So it was a tremendously beautiful love story. As you've mentioned, I had a, gorgeous pregnancy. Uh, we were so excited to be parents. Um, um, you know, both of us were in our mid thirties at that point. we n- neither one of us had ever been married before. We were so happy that we finally found our person. You know, it was just, we were so excited. And, um, for reasons that we don't really understand, um, Poppy's heartbeat stopped, um, shortly before she was born. Um we, we you know we don't know exactly when it happened but I was in labor and had gotten the green light to go to the hospital when we found out that she no longer had a heartbeat. And so like so many mothers and fathers do um here in the United States and around the world globally um I gave birth to our daughter uh she was already dead. Um she was perfect um just an absolutely sweet precious, beautiful little baby. Um, but you know, she'd passed away. And so we, um, you know, of course it started, I don't even know if you start grieving, I guess you're grieving. You're just in shock. Um, it's a total dismay and horror of that like nightmare. I mean, it's not even something you really can conceive of and then it happens to you. But, um, I started writing to Poppy in yeah. spirit the night that I got home from the hospital after I had this, really powerful dream about a Phoenix, uh, rising from the ashes. I mean, all of it was in a way I was like, what, what is this? I didn't even trust it. And then the universe immediately started sending me signs that I could trust my intuition and this higher wisdom and and power within me that I, I guess I knew from a young age, I was always a little bit, I've always felt like an old soul. I've always resonated with the idea of reincarnation i've always felt like i've lived many lives and and all of these sort of this journey of of reinvention and evolution and and going really really deep into grief um has brought me closer to that source that that energy that has always kind of been there and I feel more like myself. I am more unapologetically me now today at a, as at a as a 42-year-old woman than I've ever been before with all of the the trauma and things that have happened. But so that that very first night when I started writing to Poppy um those were little journal entries in a little notebook that my mom had sent me in the mail and um Eventually that notebook got completely filled and then other notebooks got completely filled. And then I started working on my laptop and about four months after Poppy was born, I committed publicly on Facebook to writing a memoir about my experience. (laughs) So I just committed to To doing it. Exactly. And it was fascinating because it did end up taking over six years to write the story and to eventually find a publisher and to get it published. Um, And I would have these people, these conversations, you know, at a barbecue on, you know, in a summer and someone's like, oh yeah, you still working on that book. And I'm like, yep, I'm still working mm-hmm. on that book. Like I'm, yeah. I am Mac. I don't know where it's going. I don't know how I'm going to end it. It, I don't want it to be like wrapped up in this pretty little bow. And, you know, and because we did eventually have another child and that was such an incredible blessing. Poppy, um, Poppy's little sister, her name is Moxie, Moxie Phoenix. Her middle name is Phoenix. So great. So yeah, beautiful, beautiful story. And then sort of bringing it to present day is that last year, two weeks after I submitted my final manuscript to my copy editor, I got my first ever mammogram because I'd felt a lump in my left breast, uh, in February. And I went in for my first ever mammogram. And within a week I was diagnosed with stage four metastatic breast cancer and talk about another. Beyond your wildest dream slash nightmare slash this is surreal. How is this happening to me? Are you kidding? I thought I was done with trauma. Right. I, thought I I thought I could check that off the box. You know, I've said that before. You're like, eh, no. Unfortunately, we don't. But I I took all of the tools and all of the lessons and everything that I'd learned and 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 this deep deep spiritual connection with both myself and with a higher power and with my daughter. And I just went into this journey with cancer and oof, I fought hard. I rested hard. I prayed hard. I did all the things. And, um, 15 months later, after five months of chemotherapy, a left mastectomy and lymph node surgeries, six weeks of radiation. I had a clean CT scan a couple oh, weeks no. ago.
0: I saw that on Instagram.
1: No further metastasis, no signs of cancer. You know, I'm going to be treated for breast cancer for the rest of my life and I'll be monitored and I'll get, you know, scans. And I mean, I actually have a liver MRI tomorrow morning because there's some cysts and they just want to rule it out and they're pretty sure it's nothing. But like, I have a liver MRI tomorrow morning. You know, I had a mammogram on my remaining right breast yesterday. All yeah. the things that, you know, and so I'm take medicine every night. I take tamoxifen to, to, cause it was ER positive. So, but I am living from a cancer-free mindset. That is my mm. mindset. I am cancer-free and the power mm. it's there's, there's this combination of like, who am I to say I'm cancer-free? Like there really is no cure for metastatic cancer. Like, you know, you'll hear it. People say, but there is no cure," And I'm like, yeah, but in my mind and soul and body for now, it's gone and it's not coming back. And if it does, I'll deal with it then. But between now and then I just have to sing my praises of all the things I've done. Quantum meditations, hydrotherapy, cold showers, crazy amounts of drugs from the, you know, the pharmaceuticals, like thank goodness for all the scientists. And Anyway, I I could go on and on and on but you hear the joy and excitement and gratitude in my voice because I have been through hell and back more than once. Yeah. And I am more full of life. I am more grateful. And I want to share this, you know, I feel it's a gift and I don't mean that to sound trite or anything, but like I am, I am reaching a point in my spiritual evolution where I can that sage, that inner wisdom part of me can with, time and, and softness and compassion, find the gift in all these horribly hard things that I've had to go through. And I want to help other people see those too.
0: You said something that just, you know, you said it quickly and I, it really landed with me this idea that maybe we think there's like a limit to the bad things that can happen to us. Right. Or that there's like a card that we, Oh, no, I punched my card. I did the hard thing. I, My daughter was born dead. Like that must be the worst thing that's going to happen to me in my life. And what I talk about a lot is like, you don't know what lap you're on ever when you're walking around this sort of circle of trauma, you don't know. And I can imagine, I mean, the sort of (laughs) the movie moment of handing your, all your precious words and, and carrying the narrative of this very hard story to a place that I would say is a place of hope. And again, really love filled. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's tricky, right? I'm not trying to say to people who have been through awful things that like once you can say the goodness, no, no, no. Then you will that no. that's not it. But I but I do think that traumatic events leave certain kind of imprints and we hope that they're not all horrible. We hope that there is, you know, sweeter smells of flowers and moments that, that, uh, that help us feel more invigorated about our life. What I'm hearing on the other side and seeing in your face and seeing in your energy and your hands as you're talking is that you are infused yeah. with a spirit of aliveness. Yes. Having been through this other, like almost immediate like it almost partners with your engagement and then pregnancy is like, okay, well, now we're over this story, except here's your next hard story. Yeah. And you are making no bones about it being hard. It is hard. It's been but you are describing so your right, you're describing yeah. a a kind of enthusiasm and energy and excitement about your life today. Yes. That maybe. I don't know, page 28 of your book wouldn't have seemed possible.
1: Absolutely. I you know, I, I am really careful about ever coming off as Pollyanna-ish or um, you know, that like rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. It, you just you have to be careful, right? Like cuz it's it's not that I there is no way that I could be who I am today if I had not felt the depth yeah of every single painful moment, every single agonizing moment of sadness and loneliness and longing and, and wishing that things had been different or, you know, those moments of self pity where you just shake your fist at heaven and say, why? Like, and, 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 and how do babies die? And, and, you know, why why did like, you know, why did I get cancer? And then and then believing fully that my cancer is also related to related to the trauma that I've been through, you know, if, if cancer is a signal of imbalance and dis ease, In our bodies that our cells would mutate against us, there has to be some sort of vulnerability, some, some opening or portal that allows that your immune system says, I can't fight this anymore. Mm. And I, I believe that, you know, Poppy dying, of course, was that first major, major portal opening. But then the crazy thing is, is that the year after the year after Moxie, my rainbow baby was born. I was involved in a rollover motor vehicle accident where a guy ran a red light. Oh my I was God. coming home from therapy. Actually, I was doing this beautiful lifespan integration therapy to continue healing from Poppy's death. Moxie was 10 months old and uh, thankfully not with me, but I was driving the speed limit, going through a green light and a guy just plowed through, um, taking a right hand turn. And I ended up in my SUV rolling over several times in the middle of this busy intersection and ended up upside down with a crushed car and was pulled wow. out of the car by some construction workers. I was taken to the hospital. You know, I went, I walked home, whatever we I, I left without, you know, they're like, take some Advil. It took me two and a half years to reach maximum medical improvement. And because I was so focused on writing my book, I ended up hiring an attorney that used to be a friend. I actually was a lawyer. So yeah. So I was a lawyer. And anyway, I hired this person to help me with this motor vehicle accident, which was worth a decent amount of money and all of the time and energy that I had put into healing. Yeah. I did not know it at the time, but he was an addict. He was lying to me about his situation. And long story short, he ended up failing to serve the defendant within the time period that was required by law. And in Washington state, that is just a very hard rule. And if you miss that timeline, that's it. And here's the deal. It was February 3rd of 2022 when I discovered, because I'm a lawyer and I had to pay my dues, that this person was temporarily suspended from the practice of law. And I only found this out because I looked him up on the portal that I had access to and you talk about trauma, right? So I immediately am in a trauma moment, a whirlwind of like, wait, what? He can't even practice law anymore. Wait, what he like, no wonder he's not returning my phone calls. Like all this stuff. This was February 3rd. My, the case basically imploded on me so much so that like, I went so outside the box and I called the defense lawyer wow. and left a voicemail saying, um, I don't think my lawyer can practice law anymore. And wow, needless to say that afternoon I got, I was CC'd on an email chain from the superior court of King County to indicate that they would like to have my case dismissed. <sighs> so all of this, okay. So all of this, I bring all of this up and, because it was the next day that I felt the lump in my breast. Wow. It wasn't there on February 3rd, Megan. Wow. The lump was not there. And then that happened to me. And the next day I felt the lump in my breast and I was like, what is this? And why does it hurt? And where did it come from? And that was the beginning. And all of this is to say the gift. I was doing this beautiful meditation with this awesome group that I'm in yesterday. And we were thinking about an incident that was sort of running in the background of our consciousness, something that was bothering us, whether it was a a circumstance or a relationship or something. And we had to think about how our survival mechanisms, our, our saboteurs were, like in my case, it was controlling and it was letting this lawsuit go. Cause I will say that my lawsuit has already been dismissed. I mm-hmm. it was dismissed by the court of law. I lost, there were no repercussions for this attorney who screwed me over other than that. He has been disbarred, but like in terms of any monetary recovery, mm-hmm. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. I got $0 and 0 cents. And, and <sighs> so I, I have this other attorney who was willing to help represent me on what's called an uninsured motorist claim. So the possibility of me actually suing quote unquote, my insurance company and hoping to get some recovery, yeah. it was going to be, it was a long shot. And I, had in the back of my head, since, <laughs> since this case was dismissed last year, this attorney is like, okay, we got it. You got to decide if you still want to pursue this. And it's been running. It's like an that open window on your computer screen that you you think yeah. you don't want to forget about it, so you never close yeah. it down. But it's draining all your energy in the background. So it's been draining me forever. So yesterday, I did this meditation, and the issue was like the car accident, and whether or not I'm really ready to let it go. And I realized that this controlling part of me, like I had to let it go. Mm. And then we did this meditation where it was like thinking about my my future self showed up the 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 um the the crone you know, the, this, this wise crone showed up and said, Katie, it's, it's okay. It's you, you let it go and it all worked out. You don't need that money. You're, you don't need, that's not how, that's not how it was meant to be. Mm. And then it, I got this spiritual download that said the attorney, I'm not going to use his name because I still want to respect him Regard you know, his failure was a gift Hmm. because by me discovering all of that, my body, the great wisdom of my body let me know I had cancer. I didn't know I had cancer. I didn't know that that cancer had been growing in me for years and years and years. And then his failure which was the lat, like another trauma. Can I check that off my list? I mean, the, mm-hmm. the amount of adrenaline and cortisol and all the things that dumped into me that day to have my, the body, cause a tumor, a tumor is actually a protective, it, it, the the reason our bodies for a tumor is that they're trying to trap the cells. It's like, look, let me create this hard thing to keep it in, right? So like yeah. that appeared and then I finally got an indicator from my body that something was going on. And so yesterday I had this gorgeous meditation. By the end of this meditation, I had already started drafting an email to this attorney to say, "You know what? I'm at peace. I'm not going to do this. Mm. I'm I'm letting it go. I know I don't need this. I'm ready to release it." And I woke up this morning and I was just like, yeah, girl. Like you let that go. <laughs> like you let that go. Like, and I'm like, I'm going to feel that wow. in my neck. Cause I had this, this severe, severe whiplash I had. And, and, you know, it's just like, so, but, but I, I gave myself the gift of looking for this deeper meaning. I searched, I, mm. I've stretched so deep. I dug in I to look like, how can I make meaning out of this? How can I define the story instead of letting the circumstance define me? How, and I try to do that now in my life, breast cancer, stillbirth, tr- uh, traumatic car accidents, then getting screwed over by the attorney. My dad, who I wrote about in the book, he died of prostate cancer in 2019, his journey of, of seeing, you know, and, and then me getting diagnosed with cancer and being like, oh, daddy, gosh, I had no idea, daddy. Yeah. Yeah. So I can, the, the way that I can share what I've been through to, to help others along on their journey, you know, and if I do that in public speaking or writing or gosh, I just have so many ways I want to share. And I'm, I'm finally really, now that I have the energy again, and to be, to feel confident that like this cancer is gone, it, it also taught me what I needed to learn. Um, I'm just so thankful for every single day that I still get to be alive on this planet. And I I hope it's a long time, but man, I'm, I'm just so thankful to be here. What it, what it reminds me
0: of is when in trauma work, and I want to talk a little bit about your trauma history with your cancer, but in trauma work, a lot of what we're doing is is not trying to shove sunshine up someone's ass. Look at this, look at the bright side. You're still alive. Look at, you know, whatever really what we're, and and I think it connects a little bit to forgiveness, which we talk about on this podcast, which is like, what does that word even mean? Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of like what what you're, when you're talking, what it's making me think about is the possibility of co-creating a new meaning right the possibility like if only if the if the story is only how did this terrible thing happen to me why did my body attack me in this way what you know what about this illness and and sort of fear scarcity and trauma which by the way i'm not criticizing anyone for feeling that is a normal natural reaction to terrible shit when it goes down yeah But when we're thinking about, you know, like I'm thinking about David Kessler's like sixth stage, you know, which is, which is, why wouldn't we all want that? Right? Like we all want that. We all want forgiveness. We, to be able to give forgiveness, what you're describing is sort of like maybe the co-creation of the universe's wisdom, believing that there is something out there that also is benevolent and believes in good things for you. And your own internal wisdom, you know, you rattled off a bunch of things that you do, these meditations and the cold therapies and the things like, I imagine when you were 15 years old, you weren't walking around saying like, wow, I wonder what all the possible healing modalities are that I could use just for fun in life. But when you are using healing modalities, you are employing the hope around healing. Yes. Right. And hope is vital in, 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 our ability to transform, but also just in our ability to stay alive. Yes. Right. Like that is so, so I'm really grateful for the way that you are talking about it. And I imagine for some of our grievers, it's going to be a little hope balloon. Like you're not making this up. It's not bullshit. No, we're all on different laps in terms of our trauma and our grief. And I think it is really important to have a voice that says you're not going to believe it, but this is possible. Like I'm not making it up. I'm not being paid by a sponsor. (laughs) Say this shit. This is how I actually feel about my life. And I think that's when I'm asking people, Hey, let's make a a grief practice. Let's do the deep heart thing. Let's have the ugly cries. It's because I really genuinely believe, you know, in the power of it. Yeah. That, uh, that this can be on the other side. Can I ask you a little bit about, you've talked to me a little bit about there being some real trauma in the process of being cured from the, well, not cured, Mm -hmm. but treated for your cancer. Mm -hmm you said you were diagnosed with PTSD because you sought a concrete diagnosis. Can you just talk a little bit about that for
1: people who are maybe in the thick of those things right now? Absolutely. So for a little context, um, I practiced law for almost 10 years um, before Poppy died and I left the practice. I left that industry, Um, uh, but I was a social security disability lawyer for five and a half of those years. Wow. So I represented... Actually, when I left the job, I had my, um, managing attorney pull it up, but I represented a thousand and eight people at their hearings over the course of the five years. So I was very active and, you know, in the thick of it. And a lot of those cases were mental health. A lot of them were combinations, mental health, physical, but a lot of them were straight mental health, PTSD, uh, bipolar, manic depression, um, schizophrenia. Uh, uh, you know, I've represented veterans. I represented just so many different you know, combinations, fibromyalgia, all of it, you know, like so much anyways. So I know a lot about mental health from that context. And when I, so last year Um, of course I've been through all the things I've already mentioned, right? Like I had a baby die. I was in a traumatic car accident. My father died of prostate cancer. I got diagnosed with cancer. You know, we went through the pandemic. Everybody went through that, right? There's so much, there's so much last year. I was filling up my dog's water bowl at the refrigerator and it dropped, it slipped and the water bowl fell to the kitchen floor and water splashed everywhere, right? No biggie, whatever. Get him. Right. Mar- get a mar- sure. I went into such a state of hypervigilance mm. and panic and fear that I froze. I looked down at the water and the sound. Of course, you know, it's a metal on metal on the floor and yada. Gotta- mm. I might as well have been like being shot at. Like I was terrified. Yeah. And I looked up at my husband, who had, was washing dishes at the sink. And I mean, I I like, you know, I could I could act it out, but I really don't want to put myself into that position. But you know, yeah, I no I immediately the tears came to my mind. You know, I I I was like red. I felt the swelling. My blood pressure went up. Like I could I could just feel like the the dump. Like my, you know, my um, your my uh, brainstem. You know, like just dumped yeah. all of those fear yeah. hormones protection, everything. And I got, like, I started shaking and I looked at him and I was just like, I have to go get into bed. Mm. And I like, like a zombie, almost, I just like shuffled my feet down the hallway. I got into bed. I turned out the light. I put on my eye mask. I probably put on a nervous system regulating yoga Nidra or something like that. And I passed out. Wow. And I woke up, however, hours later, because I mean, this was normal for me at this point because I was uh, recovering from five months of chemotherapy. And I can't remember now if I had had my surgery, if it was right before my mastectomy, but there was so much going on. And I was like, oh my gosh, that response that my poor nervous system, like, cause I also do so much self-compassion work. So it was like, I wasn't shaming myself or guilting myself, but I was just like, Jesus, I'm tired of this. Like, I can't, you know, it's just like, I can't deal. I was already taking, and I had been since I suffered from postpartum depression after Moxie was born, I was already taking 10 milligrams of an antidepressant called citalopram. And I didn't really want to get on any more drugs per se. But as from that purely intellectual perspective, I was like, I think this is PTSD, but here's the thing that I I feel very strongly about in the mental health space is I sometimes hear people say, "Oh, that's my ADHD," or "Oh, that's my OCD," or "Oh, that's my PTSD," and they say it like very casually and very like offhand. And I think to myself, "Oh, wow, I I didn't know that you were
0: diagnosed right.
1: with right. OCD or you take know, it for real. I didn't know that you'd had I didn't know you had ADHD. They're like, "Oh, I don't, You know, I just can't pay attention." Or, oh, I don't, I just like things the way I like them or I just need everything, you know? And I'm like, oh, well, I, gosh, that seems kind of disrespectful to everyone who does have ADHD yeah, or PTSD absolutely. or whatever. So I wanted the information. I solely wanted this as information. Cause I was like, I'm pretty sure this is the way that a person with PTSD responds to dropping a water bowl. And it wasn't just that it was every time I got in the car and someone didn't, I was, I was vigilant inside the car. I was nervous about always being in car accidents. Like there were so many other ways that PTSD, that the trauma was showing up the disordered yeah. thinking. Right. So I did, I asked my art therapist who I was, I've been working with, um, through my, um, through the hospital, um, if she could evaluate me and she said I could but I think it would be better if you got evaluated by a cancer psychologist and I was like that sounds great yeah <laughs> so I did so I got to sit down with a psychologist who specifically works with cancer patients and we did this really great 55 minute in person evaluation and at the end of it he said you know you absolutely meet the diagnostic criteria Here's why. And then we talked about the things that I could do. And he said, you know, Katie, you're already on 10 milligrams of this antidepressant. And I know you said you're not interested in using any more or different pharmaceuticals. He said, but the research shows that 20 milligrams. Right. Why would you
0: take, why would you take, if you're willing to take 10, and the efficacious dose is 20.
1: Can and he, I and he and he cited 20? and he's brilliant because he's he was he's kind of a, a newer psychologist, so very up to date, very well studied, knows all he was like, Katie, there are so many studies right now that show that if you were just to take 20 milligrams, it's very possible that a lot of these symptoms would disappear. And I was like, sign me up. So I went straight to my pharmacy that afternoon and I started taking 20 milligrams and Megan within three days, yeah, I could tell the difference within three days. And so I say this to anyone out there who is like, oh, I don't want to take medicine or blah, blah, blah. Please be willing to try it. If you have the right support and you know, you, you have a trusted provider that understands your symptoms and listen to these people. They care about us. They want us to heal. And don't just use pharmaceuticals. You know, I do a million other things to take care of myself and my mental well-being. But wow. I so I've been on 20 milligrams since October and I've had a I've had a couple panic attacks since then. It's not over. I don't, I'm not, I'm not cured. I still have to deal with it. But I tell you what, I have so much compassion for myself when I have those experiences because mm. I can just say, you know what, Katie, you have PTSD, remember? you have PTSD and this is your nervous system's inability to regulate itself right now. And let's breathe. Let's put a hand on your heart. Let's think of something. Let's think of that amazing lake on top of the mountain that makes you feel safe. Let's, you know, like, let's go crawl back into bed. Like let's do whatever we let's get out of this car. <laughs> let's get out of the car. Let's do whatever I have to do. And, and so, you know, and, and within the context of cancer treatment. um. It is very normal. It is a deeply traumatizing experience to go through cancer treatment. And uh, I have been in support groups and now I'm in an art therapy group, which is very cool. And I, I, I can see it. I, you know, you see other people who do not have the resources or didn't have all the tools. A lot of people I've seen in the breast cancer space specifically their diagnosis is sort of the first big traumatic thing that's happened to them.
0: Yeah, of course. And
1: so I have a little bit, I'm a little bit ahead of people and my, um, I I've joked before that I'm like the trauma queen, you know, but, and like, I just, I've had lots of really huge things happen to me at such a young age. And, um, I just accept it somehow that maybe my soul signed up for this Mm -hmm. and I trust now that I can handle it. I can make it through. I have enough evidence now to see that no matter what happens, I will make it through. And I will say that probably one of the biggest lessons that cancer taught me was the moment that something feels toxic, it's out. Mm. I, I don't, right, don't invite, risk it.
0: don't risk it being that energy being,
1: I have no room for toxicity bad. in my life anymore. I've eliminated people. I've eliminated circumstances. I've eliminated limiting beliefs that I used yeah. to have. I, 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 I think one of the reasons I feel so clear is because I have eliminated so much of that toxicity mm. And I've kind of actually allowed myself to imagine that chemotherapy was like a cleanse, quote unquote, right? Like, It did kill the cancer cells and it also killed a whole lot of other stuff with it. I mean, it killed, you know, I mean, I was just like, you know, as it does, right. That's how it's designed, you know, because I had, and I had to get chemo first because with a stage four diagnosis, you're not giving someone surgery because surgery could be irrelevant. If you don't respond to the chemotherapy, there's no reason to to have surgery. So thankfully I, I responded to the chemotherapy. And then in my case, the, the surgery was extra protection. And then the radiation was extra protection. Ah, uh, but um, yeah. So PTSD, it's it's very real, and so is all the anger and all the tears, and you know. But there are ways through, and there are people I, like you. Sorry,
0: catch him. I am so appreciative of the way that you described it. I want to say a couple of things for the people who are listening, who are like, "What? How do I know? Yeah, I have PTSD because we share that that we've had PTSD for different reasons. I think." I think in grief, PTSD gets missed. There are folks who are focused on PTSD from medical trauma, but not enough. Mostly, what people are doing, particularly in hospitals and in cancer wards, is trying to keep you alive. Yeah, and then they're like, "Look, that has to be good enough." The rest of the work you have to do somewhere else. Yeah, I'm stunned by the number of people who no one talked to them about the impact of having, you know, poisons put in their body, or what it's like to go to regular treatments and how your memory is going to make meaning of those moments and those smells and those sounds. So I just, I want to just give a brief, a quick little description that PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, you can go online and you can take a um, a survey essentially to find out, do you qualify, Do your do your current symptoms qualify you to maybe go and seek treatment for PTSD doesn't necessarily mean you definitely have it, but it's a good indicator that you should go talk to a therapist, um, or, you know, a psychologist of some kind. And essentially what it is, is your body, your physical system, your five senses have trapped inside the trauma that you experienced. And so we experience the world through our sense of taste, our sense of smell, touch, you know, our five senses. If any one of those senses is activated by something that reminds us of that moment, the sound of metal on metal in your experience, the way I always image it is like I have overalls on and someone like pulls me up, right? And then I was just relaxed and then I'm like yanked up into this state of disorganized, confused terror. And what's most important about that is it's not something that you are just thinking about. Oh, I got afraid in my mind. It is a system wide mm-hmm. act up
1: mm-hmm.
0: and your central nervous system is the processing that is happening and it is jacked up. It is on high alert. It thinks, oh my God, Katie is in trouble. We got to get her out of here. What can we do? And it begins that process of like, oh my God, it's like she's being held at knife
1: point. Yes.
0: And so PTSD is that happening over and over with different stimulus and you living in a state of activation when it is not actually required
1: right exactly we're in a
0: state of threat when there is no threat in front of you so it is Correct. the memory your lived experience memory showing up in this present moment coming in at an 11 when this moment is is a two yeah and we need the treatment for those things yes and you can you can also experience ptsd but have it come from the the um, parasympathetic nervous system, which means you're very dissociated mm. and you're spacey and you can't get out of bed and you don't really care about things. hard. Yes. Right. Yes. Thank and you. you. And you gave a really nice description of all the other pieces of work that you do that then allow you to have access to those parts of you that are
1: alive yes.
0: instead of jacked up. Right. Yeah. I think we neither identify this as an issue nor do we teach people
1: right and- yeah i think mine does show up when sometimes i'll you know i get triggered you know and yeah. and that's a great word for people i think to when you're feeling when something sort of banal happens and all of a sudden you feel very activated like you were saying okay. very activated by whatever happened um and then that for me it seems to happen like once every 3 months or so that if I don't catch it. Let's say I'm really tired, right? like there, there's probably like something else going yeah, on that's you right. know that that makes, yeah, me less able to notice. That this is a good time to go take care of yourself or this, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like to prevent the thing from getting worse. But then for me, it will turn into a panic attack, you know, and, and, and a lot of emotion comes with that, you know, and that those are exhausting and they're, oh
0: they're exhausted. I mean, they are literally exhausting. Yeah,
1: they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and then, and then you're just, and then anybody that you're, you're around or, um, yeah, you know, then there's all this, like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I was so mean. Or, you know, like I, I wasn't in my right mind. You, like, you yeah. do, you kind of do, yeah. you're like, but it, but it was also panic. And, and, and I think another thing too, and this is something that I've been talking to my husband about lately is it's one thing for me, to know and to be empowered by the information that I have post-traumatic stress disorder. I need my husband to understand what that means. He does not have PTSD. He has not been through these things he's been with me through all of it. And of course, Poppy's death was devastating, but the other things like the car accident, he wasn't there, you know, he saw me struggle to heal, but all of that. So like, he doesn't have panic when he gets into a car. I do, you know, I have control issues. I have the fear. And so I think that there's, as, as we continue to evolve and understand and be more empathetic when it comes to other people's mental health issues is that there's a responsibility we have to the people in our families who have mental health issues to try to understand what it is exactly that they're going through. That's right. You know? And it's not,
0: it's not our loved one's fault that they don't know. No, And so I want, you know, part of what we do on this show is sort of like, try to make sure we get a little bit of psychoed out there and to, yeah. Let folks know that there there are these resources and there are these things. I love the idea that if your loved one has a diagnosis, go learn about that diagnosis. Yeah, but too. actually I've had more than once I've had someone schedule four sessions with me to learn about their oh, diagnosis, which is a kind thing to do. Right. I'm not, you know, they didn't want to learn about it from a book and I don't blame them because it's really complicated. And yeah. so what they need to know. I want to say this because you said I get really triggered and that is a word we get lots of DMs about. People don't like that word because of gun violence. Totally fair. And I just don't know what other word to use. So when the, when I'm promising everybody out there who doesn't love that word, when, when I am given a better word to use, I will use it, but in words are meant to communicate something. And so I'm going to use triggered here for a moment, triggered is the activated side. Yes. When I'm triggered, I am pulled into high state of activation. Flooded is the freeze side. Flooded is when there's so much emotion and I just suddenly can't move. Yeah. And, I, and both things happen in PTSD. Both things happen to people on a daily basis. You do not treat them the same. When you are triggered, you are t- too highly activated. And so we need the yin and the yang. We need to pull that energy down. When you are flooded, you're being suppressed and we need to pull your energy up. And so I just want to say that because, right. Because, um, Part of our job is to try to help people understand what it is that they're experiencing and their loved ones are experiencing, and also give them hope that there are ways to kind of pull themselves out of it. So, if you're finding yourself flooded, more on the flooded side, know that movement really helps. Just get up mm. and take a walk, freeze, get out of freeze, tell somebody, I'm stuck, yeah. I'm, I'm overwhelmed with feeling and with I'm trigger, drowning. It, yeah. It, it yeah really, ex-
1: that's, that's, it. How I'm, that's how I'm thinking is like, or, or like, you know, like you just think about it, like you've, you can't breathe or, or you're this weight on your chest, you know, especially with panic, right? Like there's this weight on your chest where you're just like, Oh, like right. that I am. I'm, I really appreciate you sharing that with me because I think there are probably instances where I have used the word triggered, but actually I was flooded.
0: So for the reason I say it out loud is I get, I am a person who does both. And yeah. I, one of the questions I ask people is like, which are you, what do you do? And most of the time people are like, shit, I don't know. Yeah. And I say, we'll go out into the world and then figure it out. And if we can have a larger conversation about this, part of what we're talking about is how do I show up to care for myself with intention Yes. and intelligence yes right like how do I do this well because I think you know we're not very well educated in this I've heard you talk about this we're not very well educated and when you're not very well educated a lot of it feels like stabs in the dark you write mm-hmm. about it not just for you but you also write about it with your husband there's such a beautiful scene where your dad sees Poppy's room for the first time and he just drops to his knees and the reality of it I mean you give us, You give us really just sort of like the whole humanity Mm -hmm. of what it means to go through profound loss. And that is so helpful. That's where memoirs are so helpful. What I am so appreciative of in this, and this really was what you wanted to talk about in this podcast is that you're, you're now adding on with the, with the new experience of the cancer, the arc of what does it mean to kind of move yourself through and come out the other side, not just with hope, but also with action and intention. So tell us what is next for you mm-hmm. in this world of writing and living and being oh. vibrant and enthusiastic. What can we expect to hear from you and tell folks where they can find you if they want to follow you?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. So if you want to follow me, um, check out my website, katiejoyduke.com. Um, you can order a signed copy of the paperback. If you'd like something that if you have like, for instance, a niece or a a daughter or a cousin or a best friend, a sorority sister, who's been through a loss, um, you can buy her a copy of the book and I'll send it straight to her and I'll, you know, and sign it to her. Um, you can also follow me on Katie joy, Duke, Instagram, Um, you know, what's next for me is I, I started acting and studying theater when I was a young kid and I actually went to college, uh, originally for theater. I graduated oh, as an goodness. English major with a minor in theater, and then I went to law school. Um, I am feeling like my life is coming full circle as a storyteller and as a transformational speaker, um, using my voice, my audiobook will actually be out later this fall. So for those of you who are more of auditory listeners, learners, and rather than sitting down and reading a book, I'm so excited to reach that wider audience. I recorded the audiobook um a couple months ago and it's in production right now. So that is very exciting. but i'm I'm really i'm I definitely want to write another memoir. Mm. um i I. I became a life coach in, uh, 2018. I went to a year long coaches training program, um, when we studied ontological coaching, which is really the study of beingness and, and working in the distinctions of our, our essence versus our survival mechanism, or, you know, another way to think about it is our saboteurs versus our sage, um, Also just really like looking at like the context that we look through the world, the lenses that we wear. And, and if you're just tired of the way you look at the world, realizing that you actually have the power to take off that, that set of old, tired, scratched up, nasty, greasy lens and put on a different one, you know, and, and just to be, um, so I, that's what, when I work one-on-one with my clients, it's very, you know, highly tailored to, um, the individual, um but I am really looking to, to expand and to grow my audience. I'd like to get more into, um, the the media and share what I've learned about grief and loss and mental health and, you know, being open. I said this to you, I think perhaps before we started recording or whatever, but, um, authenticity is my number one value and, uh, vulnerability is my superpower, and that vulnerability. Brené Brown is sort of a guru of mine, a, a guide on on this whole journey. And um, I was introduced to her work after Poppy died, and and I've just I've learned so much about sharing our stories. is incredibly vulnerable, but we need to hear from one another. We need yeah. to know that we're not alone, and um, and and that everybody's story matters. One of the things I'd like to do as a writer is eventually put together like a workshop or master masterclass or something on helping other people start to tell their stories. Yeah. Not that everybody needs to write a memoir because you know how hard it is. Not everybody needs to do that, but writing your story for yourself, getting more clarity on wh- where you've come from, you know, generational, ancestral, um, there's so much, um, I ha- I just have so much to share. I had this huge spiritual download yesterday about like things that I want to start writing about. Like I mentioned earlier, quantum healing and, mm-hmm. um, you know, are like ancestral traumas and, you know, yeah. healing those. Like I think yeah. about the healing work that I have done for myself and for Poppy, you know, so Poppy being in some ways it's weird. She's my daughter, but because she's already passed, I feel like in some ways she's also an ancestor. Mm, it's like from the I soul, you yeah. know, from the soul perspective, because she was a yeah. very old soul. And so she's still with me. So she's with me. Like my grandmothers are with me. You know what I mean? It's very interesting. So just like diving into that sort of stuff. I mean, I've read so many incredible books over the last seven years that have helped me just explore spirituality and, and where, where we all have the ability to have these deeply intimate relationships with ourselves. Yeah. God, that's a gorgeous
0: answer. I mean, I am going to expect to see and hear you everywhere because the energy that you have is just such a gift. And I feel like you could probably land it in a lot of places. So I imagine right now you're just going to wait to see how the universe wants to co-create with you and where they want to do it. I, I, yeah,
1: Amazing, And I'm excited to put myself out there. You know, I finally have the energy to do what I thought I was going to do last year. That's what's so interesting. It's, it's like, you know, you can have a plan and goals are great, but you know, actually falling in love with the process of becoming yourself and, and because we've we've all heard it. I mean, It's not the journey, you know, it's whatever. It's not the destination. It's the journey. It's, but these things are, they're real. Like it's, it's today, right? You know, it's today because the reality is, is like, let's say you've got this big, massive goal and then you accomplish it. How long do we really let ourselves celebrate the goals? Right? Like how, is it just like the next, the next, the next, the next slowing down, resting more, being present, getting into nature, being with our loved ones, loving ourselves, clearing the energy, forgiving ourselves for whatever it is and others um, and not attached to any sort of bigger dogma, right? Like for me, it's, it's, it's like ineffable. Like you can't put your finger on it. You know, it's, it's, you're not going to find it on in, in any room or in, in any book or in any like sermon or any, whatever, like, it's just, it's just experience life is our teacher. Life is my greatest teacher.
0: I imagine people are going to be very inspired by what they have heard from you today. I really would tell them to reach out and get a personalized copy of your book, which I have, which is so beautiful. The cover of which is so beautiful. Um, And I want just keep in touch with us. Keep us posted. Keep us posted on everything that you're doing. Thank you so, so much. I, I mean, I just feel like I've waited a long time to meet you. So this was such a joy and I'm wishing you all the good luck. Just keep, keep
1: in touch. Thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. I know I've really enjoyed it, Megan. It's a real honor.